Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Cheeseman and this is a podcast dedicated to all things Manchester City. And of course, we uh, we will discuss the latest game against Tottenham. We'll look back possibly as well briefly at the midweek game, which is the Champions League game that secured City top spot and look ahead to what's to come. I've got three great guests today as ever. Two members of the Forever Blue team who are Amy and Louisa. Louisa's been globetrotting. She's becoming a Formula One superstar reporter now. So um, we're very, very lucky to have her uh, back in our, our fold, as it were. So thanks very much for squeezing us in, Louisa. Um, but our star guest this week is former City goalkeeper Tony Colton, who my mate Charlie, and I know you, he said this to you the other day, Tony, um, described you as the best goalkeeper uh, he's ever seen at Manchester City. He goes all the way back to Bert Troutman and he says, apart from Bert, you are the best goalkeeper he's seen playing for Manchester City. And that's that's some compliment, that TC, isn't it? Yeah, but did he tell you where he told me? Where? Asda, across the road. From <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He bumped into you. Me in Asda. <laughs> I wasn't doing any shopping. I was just warming up because I'd been to the 19s game and then uh, had a bit of time to kill before the senior game. And, well, I know uh, how you feel about warming up because after that yeah. Tottenham game, I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty nippy myself. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank AMAR Development UK, who are the sponsors of the uh, the podcast, which is very much appreciated. You'll know that the Pyramid now uh, in Stockport is theirs and they have a two-level event centre and a huge restaurant. Well, they do so much more and are developing lots of properties in and around uh, the Greater Manchester area in particular. Uh, huge, huge company and really value their support. Um, so, Tony, first of all, let's get your views on the the Tottenham game. Uh, obviously, a second successive home draw, following on the back of the four-all draw two at Chelsea in the Premier League. So, three draws now, and lots of goals conceded. What, what did you make of the Tottenham game? Um, I don't know. It was interesting because I listened to Roy Keane and Mika and uh, and Jamie Carragher's view uh, after the game, and it was a little bit mixed. And obviously, Mika's very, very biased. Um, towards City, um, you know, and it was just, is there an area of concern? I don't know. I, I always get the feeling that um, that City will always score more goals than anybody else. That's 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 the, the feeling I get. Um, is the emphasis too much on, not too, not too much, but their attacking style because they're, they're probably the best in the world at the going forward and scoring goals and creating chances. Um, but they, they don't normally let, up until this season, they don't uh, certainly let as many goals in as as they have done of late. Um, so there must be an area of concern. I, I haven't seen every game and I haven't seen every goal conceded, so I can't tell you where um, the weakness in it, if there is a weakness. Um Today, I would think Eddie would probably, Edison would probably be disappointed with the first goal, I think. Sort of went through him a little bit, didn't it? Um, that's me not really wanting to blame a goalkeeper, having played the position, but um, I think he'll be disappointed with that one. Um, and then it's how you want to break it down and stop it at source and, and, and dissect it, isn't it? You know, Roy was saying that 
Nathan Aki should have attacked the ball for the third goal instead of waiting for it to come and then uh, players got in front of him. Uh, it's, it's, you can go back as far as you want to and say, well, he shouldn't have played that pass or he shouldn't have played that pass. The area of concern is the fact that they're, they're letting goals in. Yeah, I mean, there's a lack of pace sometimes um, in City's defence. I was watching the... Lack the, of what? Pace? Pace, yeah. If you was, take uh, Walker out of it, you mean? Yeah, I mean, Walker's exceptional, obviously. And he yeah. came to City's rescue a few times. But when you look on the other side and you look at Gavardiol and you look at Ake, neither of them are blessed with pace. Yeah. Um, and, and even Akanji or um, Ruben Diaz, if they're moving over to that side, also lack pace. And I was watching the under-23s yesterday against Crystal Palace. Uh, they were playing at the mini-had. And they had three big, fast strikers up front. And it was and City's under 23s, I'm sure you've seen under 18s, under 19s, whatever, all play very, very pep, very much the same way. And it felt to me from watching that game that I was watching the same vulnerability in the three fast attacking players unlock City's defence and won 3-0. Son, I personally thought today, was exceptional. I mean, I think he's such a he good is an striker. exceptional player anyway. I I found I rate him very, very highly. But it's so quick and, and his first touch is brilliant. Are City particularly susceptible to that, do you think? Um, in terms of what? Uh, counter-attacks or... Yeah, it, it, I suppose that you'd have to say it's counter-attacks. Well, you, well you're, normally, you're normally playing the majority of the game in, in the opposition's final third, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? So what you what you do have to have, you have to have a Carl Walker Um to combat that, uh, you know, that threat of a counter-attack with um, pacey opposition, you know, and and if, but Kyle can't, Kyle can't just do it on his own, can he? Um, so you have to be organised at the back. Um, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't get what's the what's the word I'm looking for really. Um, I wouldn't be too. Uh, if you weren't scoring goals, then then there's a problem. Do you know what I mean? If you if you're getting one or two and clinging to to that, then but you're not. You're still scoring threes and fours yourselves. You know, even I was at the the Leipzig game, and even when you went two 0 down, which if you want to say that was bad defending, you know, through the middle and um, similar goals though they weren't they? that that little striker who broke away against yeah. uh, for Leipzig also broke from the halfway line at speed and City were unlocked again. Yeah. So, um, what, what I've lost my train of thought now. What I was I was talking about in terms of um, they they sorry those goals were worse than what really today. Each goal that, that you concede, you you know you don't like to concede. And having been a goalkeeper, then I hated it. You know, you always wanted a clean sheet, and that's your, that's your foundation. Um, but as I said before at the start of the conversation was. You always think City are going to score more than the opposition, um, you know. I still thought they were going to get a winner in the dying dying minutes. I really did. And we won't Which, talk about the referees' decision with Jack. Well, that, actually, that's good. what we should talk about next because Harland's apparently tweeted out his uh, dislike of it with F W T F after it. I don't know whether that's going to get him into any trouble or whatever. Definitely. But you could see him on the pitch remonstrating. He got booked. What did you make of that incident? Um, I don't know whether you've seen it, uh, seen it back 
Ian, have you on? on I've not on, watched it back any, yet. Or no. any of you when they look back at it after the game. They actually, when Arlen goes over and then gets back to his feet, the referee puts his his, uh, his whistle to his mouth, ready to blow. But the, they've got the sound and he, he doesn't blow. And then as soon as uh, Arlen makes the pass and Jack, I think Jack's took one, maybe two touches, he blows then. And Roy Keane summed it up, really. You knew it was a mistake from the referee. He made a mistake. He's he's still processing the actual development of the of the play. He probably wanted to blow as soon as Arlen went down, but because he got up quickly, he's that's still in his mind that he should have blown in for some reason. Then he blows after the after uh, after the pass and puts Jack through. So we have to say I was one of the worst for remonstrating with the refs, but you have to say in this case that the referee. I haven't seen anything where he's came, come out yet and and uh, said anything, but you would have to say that it was a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake, and that referee made a mistake uh, with that decision and blowing. You don't buy into the uh, sort of corruption uh, no, theory? No, not, not at all. Not at all. No. Once you start buying into that, then you're opening yourself up to to all sorts. In, in terms of corruption, what... If, where do you go with that? I mean, what? He was bribed to not to what? No, 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 no. I'm not having that at all. Not well, you know that obviously City are facing these 115 charges, and the cynical City fan, the 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 one who wants to believe that there is corruption, would say that's the Premier League trying to stop City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I had a good chat with a supporter as I walked back to my car on Tuesday night, and he—it's as if he knew all the all the hundred and fifteen, fourteen charges uh, as they were going to be uh, delivered. But um, uh, we won't go into there because I don't know enough about it. I've got to be honest; I don't know what 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 the charges are, when they're going to come around, or or what. But uh, no, I don't buy into that at all. That uh, it was a corrupt uh, decision. Let's bring in the the two ladies. Um, the experts. The, yeah, they are the experts. I mean, yeah. I know Amy's there at every game and Louisa now, as I say, is a superstar um, broadcaster in her own right. So no pressure on you. But um, uh, Amy, you, you with her, I mean, you'll have probably heard people around you because I heard people. That's why I've mentioned it, you know, saying, ah, oh, it's corrupt, the referee. TC, a, a pro from the game, says don't. And obviously, I don't want to believe ever that that's the case because then the game's gone. You can't, you can't possibly believe that that was corrupt. It was just a mistake, wasn't it? I, I where I was sat, no one was saying anything like that. They were just really angry uh, with the ref. Um, the you know the my friends who sit on this side and the lad that sits on the opposite side. They were just angry. Um, slamming chairs about and using expletives, but you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I like Tony said, I think that he'd, he'd got, he, you know, he should have played the advantage and he didn't. And, um, like I say, I think it, like it was a mistake, but obviously everyone's going to get angry about it, um, like, like you do, um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was corruption. I, I, I don't want to get into all that either. Um, as I know, some of the lads on here aren't happy either. So it's you know it's one of them. It, I do believe it was a genuine mistake, but 
it seems to be happening a lot with refs, you know, the if it's not VAR that's messing up, it's refs on the pitch. Um, you know, I, I think it needs a complete overall, but no one wants to be a referee because of the abuse they get. And I don't, and, you know, um, but yeah, maybe there needs to be a switch around. I know I've heard, I don't know how true it is. Some old players might be becoming refs because they know the game better. Um, They've been no, on that one. Yeah, go Trust on. Me, I can't see a, an old player wanting to be a referee. No, I, I can't either. I, I really don't. Why <laughs> would you want to do that? <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Tony yeah. Phyllis, I don't know if you knew Tony Phyllis Kirk, Tony, but he trained to be a referee. He fast, they fast-tracked him because he was a former player and played for Bolton, a striker. Yeah. And I know he went so far and started doing it, but then he drifted out again. And that might be as a result of exactly what you're saying about, ultimately, once you put in the cut and thrust of it, why would an ex-player want to do it? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they'll be making a decision full stop in a few seasons. I think it'll all be run from the TV. Well, that's another yeah. part of the argument, isn't it? Because... I've heard it said that referees are feeling so undermined by VAR that they don't take decisions because they think, well, it'll be corrected if I get it wrong. Then that if they do make a decision wrong and VAR proves them wrong, they get dropped the following week. So they, they're losing confidence in what they're doing. So you talked about that referee making a mistake, you know, and that he started... He's human, he's human, Ian. He's human. Yeah, he's of course, of course. Listen... If Jack had gone on and scored, then you've got a you've got a great argument, haven't you? The fact is, he's still got a long way to go. You know, would he have got caught? I don't know. Would he have finished it? We don't know. Um, so it's it, there's, there's an argument there, and um, you know, I'm not. <laughs> am I sticking up for the referee? He's made a mistake. You know. Um, Human error, whatever you want to, what whatever you want to call it, I think it was a genuine mistake. And because the decisions were that close together, he's st- his brain's still processing that he should have blew. I think, uh, I think that's what happened. I don't know. Listen, it'd be a talking point for weeks in the in the factories in the workplace for for quite a while and on TV, surely. My my thing is the the uh, offside thing. I feel like what a player is going to get really hurt because it takes them that long to put the flag up. Ruben Diaz had his hand up. I don't know how many times to say that they were Tottenham were offside before the flag was shown. And I feel like someone's going to get really, really hurt or pull a muscle or something, or there's going to be a bad injury. There's no, they're too slow with the flag. I don't think it's that they're too slow. It's the directive that they get that they have to touch the ball before before they can make the decision. I think it's the worst rule in football. I I think it really does. You know, as soon as, you know, you can go, the fella can chase the ball for 30 yards. And then as soon as he touches it, they put the flag up. Just put it up as soon as he's, if he's offside, five yards in there off, 10 yards in there off, just put the flag up. There was one move today where it was so obvious because I was pretty much level with it that that two player two players son and one other player was offside, and they let it carry on not just to the point where till the player touched it, but it had been crossed into the middle, cleared away, and then the flag went up, and and I thought this is just ridiculous. Um, well, from my point of view, 
it has to be about consistency and that's where the problem is within the Premier League VAR and referees it's lack of consistency and what has been happening all season is you're all right you're all correct I've seen it as well the offside flags are, are waiting and waiting and waiting and I think they've been directed to do that whether that's a goal that then gets disallowed or whether it's something else that happens so today they were he was you know still not putting his flag up when Tottenham were consistently offside during this game during this match and their final goal from my point of view was offside on the initial first pass before it came back and then went back towards the goal to then score the goal so there was an offside there and that should have been pulled but it wasn't um but it's the fact that when Harlan went to ground came back up passed the ball to Grealish so why not why not allow that to carry on, score the goal, then have a look on VAR, whether it was offside, whether the advantage, whatever was going on in that moment, let the play carry on like it had carried on the entire game for Spurs when they were offside up our end. Why not allow it to carry on for us, then have a look at it? Do you think Grealish would have scored, by the way, Louisa? Uh, I actually genuinely do, yeah. I think he was off. I think he was off and one. The keeper was coming out and he was quite far out. So I think he was a little bit too far out to have saved it. If he was closer to net, um, I, I feel the keeper had a decent chance at saving. But because he was coming out and out, I thought, great, he's going to have this. He's going to get this in. Um, and he was away from that, from the defenders. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe. And, and it's okay, very well. We all make mistakes. But we're talking about Premier League football here. We're talking about arguably the finest football league in the world. Um, and some of these decisions are not good enough. They're not to the standard that they should be. All this happens in F1. You, you know that I'm related to this. And even in F2, these horrible decisions happen in F2. It's actually more heartbreaking in F2 because it seems to take a little bit longer and you've already had people celebrating on the podium and, and trophies and stuff. And then decisions are made where that's just taken straight away from them. Um, it's it's not good enough for F1. F1 are really trying to pull the socks up. They're really trying to clean house as much as they can um, to stop all this uh, just outrage. And the Premier League needs to be doing more about it from my point of view. I think it's disgraceful what happened today, mistake or not, because it's the Premier League and because this it, it's not just a game anymore. You know, it's not just a game of football on a Saturday afternoon anymore. Uh, this is a business and this is a very serious multi-billion pound dollar euro business where these decisions should not be happening. That's the problem, of course, though, that football has become this multi-billion pound uh, business and there is so much pressure on everybody. Um, away from the decision, which I've not seen it yet again, but I'm absolutely convinced, as you all explained from what I saw when I was there, that the... Uh, the game should not have been pulled back and Greeley should have gone through and then we would have seen whether he would have scored or not. My own personal feeling is that with three players chasing after him and lacking a bit of pace, maybe he wouldn't, but we'll never know. Uh, but certainly in terms of three goals against um, today, you know, in this game against Spurs, four against Chelsea, City have a propensity for letting goals in. Is that going to cost City the title this season or cost them... Anything, you know, going out of cups and stuff, is the defence becoming a problem for any of you? I think we're missing John. 
<laughs> I personally think we need, yeah, I feel, and I, um, I think we need we need Kevin back as well. Um, you know that that's my personal view. Um, and I think you know I think John has that that ability to to help the lads out. Um, but it is the going back for me. It it's the we. We get to the we get to the byline and then it's back to Edison again without even having a you know without having any shots or you know we 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 run we we've gone back to that running into players um running into defenders instead of just trying to like find a way out um yeah th- this is this is my problem we we just don't seem to take the chances and when we do it ends up in row Z um. You know, it's missed missed chances, and then then the opposition are taking us off on the on you know on the counter attack. Um, we don't normally let this many goals in. We've one, yeah, maybe two, but never this many. Um, For me, it was it felt like a, a two completely different games: the first half and the second half. Yeah. And and I felt the first half we were actually really great we were fast we were accurate we were in control and and I felt like we were running at them but they couldn't get the ball off us and yet in the second half they came out playing like we played in the first half and we came out playing like they'd played in the first half and and it was almost like we we lacked imagination there was no even from Phil there was no creativity there was no sort of little magic moments uh com- coming on there was no pace there was a really awful lack of skill as you say it was ending up all over the place the ball and and you felt like some of the guys hadn't trained for two years and I know it's so critical and 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 I'm really sorry I'm being this critical tonight but I just felt I couldn't understand what had gone so completely wrong from the first half to the second half and I was even quite annoyed with Doku today I know there's a lot of really great amazing things being said about him I haven't quite got it yet I've not I'm not quite latched to that yet and today for me was a prime example he's holding the ball for too long and he's playing almost like Mares did and don't get me wrong I did love Mares I did feel like he he was very um poetic on the ball he had a very nice touch and a very beautiful touch with the ball and especially when he scored goals he never scored a messy goal he always scored a really beautiful goal and yet today Doku was was holding that ball like like Maris used to do passing it back when he could have been passing it forward because the momentum is that all the players are going forward 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 and he turned around and pass it back again so he was some sometimes stopping the play and then sometimes holding it for too long because I felt like he wanted the glory himself he wanted the goal himself nothing wrong with a player wanting a goal and wanting to score don't shoot you don't score but when you've got three or four other players in the box with you which it's kind of a new thing for City because if you remember just a few years back, we were all complaining that there was nobody in the box. Everyone was just around the edge of it and passing it, passing it, passing it. Now we've got players in the box. Pass the ball to the players in the box. Don't hold it up for yourself and then suddenly you're surrounded by three players and you've lost it again. So today I really felt quite frustrated with Doku and I felt like he could and should have passed it more, passed it quicker to the centre, get it into the middle with the lads. And if you want to score a goal, switch around, get yourself in the middle if you're allowed but don't hold it up as much so I I do feel like in theory we could have been another couple of goals up anyway and then that final decision wouldn't have even mattered 
But when we're not scoring the goals and when we're letting too many in and there's only one goal difference and then you're on a, a draw, we're never going to win matches anyway. And today was a prime example to me of us losing a game instead of them being, well, they were better than us in the second half, but the first half, we shouldn't have lost that game. We should have been quite a few goals up, I think, by half time. You make an interesting point about Doku because one of the criticisms of uh, Jack Grealish is that he holds on to the ball too much. He goes backwards, sideways and and doesn't create as much. And then the defence of him, that I've heard from people, is that's because Pep tells him to do that. Now, Doku's come in and tried to terrorise defenders and has, has been very successful for the most part. But I take on board what you're saying there, Louisa, is that therefore Pep telling him not to take as many risks and to, to hold on to possession more? What do you think, TC? I think um, if you're a forward um, playing team and an attacking team like City, I can only go um, on my experiences of when I was over the road under Sir Alex. When we were dominating in, you know, United were dominating in in the um, late nineties, early two thousands of um, people uh, taking risks in the final third. Let them express themselves. Let them take risks, uh, risk and reward, um, and that's what he used to say. That's the area to take you, you know, to to take you to. to your risk-taking pass or whatever is in the final third that could lead to a goal. Um, and I think, I'm just going back over recent games. I mean, I know against uh, Leipzig, I can remember the first half before any goal was scored, City missing three really good chances and all three went over the bar. Um, so you could have been 3-0 three, three up in the first 10, 12 minutes, you know. Um, a little bit like today, but I think not, not, no, I'm not disagreeing um, there, but um, you have to pay credit to Tottenham for the second half. I listened to the manager's uh, post-match interview and he seems very calm. Manager. I quite like his demeanour. I quite like what how he uh, talks about his players. Um, they're down to the bare bones as well with their, with their injuries and uh, whatnot. Uh, and it, all he said, they asked him what he said to them at half time. He said, forget the fear factor of being here at City. I just want you to go out and I just want you to express yourself with a freedom. And I think that's what they actually did. It was like, that, you know, don't worry about the opposition, you know, uh, play with no fear, you know, play with pace, play forward. That's his, that's his philosophy, always a forward pass. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too critical on City. I think we need to just say how well Tottenham did second half, as 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 you said. Um, you know, so in terms of your Jack Grealish, Doku situation, they're two fantastic players, and we all agree on that. Two fantastic players. Jack's style of play has always been that that style, and when he was at Aston Villa, he did. He carried the team at Aston Villa. You were given the ball. Give it to Jack. That's all they used to say. I, you know, I don't know if you know, I, I used to work there when Jack was there. And it was, give it to Jack. Jack will take you up the pitch. He will get you up the pitch. 
You know, he can take you from the halfway line onto the edge of the opposition's box. That's his style of play. I think he has quickened his play up a little bit and he's looking to link passes and and, and more. Um, but it's not going to be um, the perfect for everyone. I, I think Jack is a, is a great player. Docker, I know about him and I'd have to see more of him to, to, to really compare uh, the two. Um, but... Um, yeah, you're disappointed with the goals being conceded, and you're disappointed because you know there's you, there's a draw, um, there's a draw when you had victory uh, in the palm of your hand, um, and everyone's disappointed. It's not a loss; it feels like a loss, but it's not. Um, and trust me, and you all know, you'll be there in May. You know, fighting for them on us. I know you will. Uh, let me ask you about Son then, because you've been very praising, and, and obviously the other two can come in on this as well. You've been very praising of Tottenham, uh, and I looked at Son today and just thought, what a magnificent player. Um, so quick, his first touch was great. He was so sort of threatening all the time. Could he fit in? He, he can finish off both sides. He's got a left foot yeah. and a right foot. He plays with pace. Whenever you see him, he's always looking to go forward quickly. Um, you know, and he's their talisman now. Harry Kane's gone. He's their talisman. He's he's skipper. Um, you know, and he's 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 took on the mantle of being the, the you know the main man there. Um, and I I think he could fit into any team. He could fit into City's team. He could fit into anybody's team. He's that that good a player. I really like him. Well, let me ask a controversial one then for the three of you. Um. We saw Haaland miss a couple of chances today. One one was practically, it felt like an open goal. Would you swap Son for Haaland? <laughs> what, off the back of what? I'm just asking oh, a question. I'm just asking no, a question. No, no, no. no. Haaland no could walk out of City with a white beard and white hair or no Has hair. Has he been drinking? Has he been drinking? Cheesy. I'm just asking a question. It's It's, it's got an answer out of you, hasn't it? That's right, an answer. Yeah, you weren't expecting anything else, was you? I don't know. It's a, it's a question. It's a legitimate question. How can question. you ask that on what he's done? Well, Quickly, remember that City went to Tottenham to and uh, sorry, City went to Tottenham and tried to sign Harry Kane, and they missed out on Harry Kane, and then got Haaland. And if they got Kane, they probably wouldn't have got Haaland. So that might suggest that the first choice was Harry Kane. So now that Kane's gone and Son is shining the sun is shining at Tottenham, then would would City have considered going for Son, I wonder? Listen, I'm sure there's a lot of clubs that went for Son and there's a lot of clubs that went for Harry Kane and I'm sure there's a lot of clubs in for Ireland. Um, you hear all kinds of stories and I've been privy to a lot of stories. You know, uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wouldn't have ended up at Man United if a scout hadn't gone to watch Ronnie Johnson first. And Ronnie Johnson didn't play, and Ollie Gunner played, and he ended up at Man United. It's it, you know, it's all buts, ifs, and maybe's of what might have happened, what didn't, and the stories throughout. City might, have, City might have signed Paqueta. They were after him from West Ham, weren't they? And then obviously had some issues off the field, so they brought in Doku. So that's the type of thing you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, you you have you have a target list. Each club has a target list, and if you can't get that one for one reason, 
season. Does that one come in? One one thing that I did did pick up from an interview that um uh what's his name? The Tottenham manager. How do you pronounce it? Poster Poster Coglu. Poster Coglu, that's it. Um, he said about how important it was bringing the right kind of personality into addressing them. That's one of his big things. He would sacrifice a player that's slightly better for one uh, who brings more to the dressing room. And that is so important. So when players are linked with this one, this one, once you do your background checks on them and, and ask about them and find out this and find out that, Sometimes they're not a fit. They're not a good fit. They might be on a pitch for a certain amount of time, but will that upset the rest of the dressing room? So you don't know. There's all kinds of things that goes on here, as you well know. Absolutely. That's I'm, that's. Uh... I'm sure that's the same with the Formula One drivers. <laughs> yeah, I I don't disagree with that. Yeah, some um, well, I mean, most of the time it's about money, but it's like yeah. you know who can who can bring some decent money. But yeah, I'm sure that some drivers have been chosen because of their personality, because of who they are or their story. And just sure. the willing the willingness to learn and take on board what the technical people are saying to them and whatever. Some some think they know it all and don't want to learn and think they you know they're an expert oh, in everything. Okay. Yeah, it makes a difference when a driver um, understands the car and the, the technology of the car, but even if they don't initially, because from going from F2 to F1, it's a massive jump with the technology, um, even though the F2 cars are pretty decent these days and will be next season on the upgrade. But um, it's for them to sit down and be willing to understand the car and then obviously be able to translate that into driving it and feedback correctly so even people sitting at home in the uk can make changes it's it's phenomenal i mean yeah. one of the greatest drivers who have started that pretty much was Ayrton senna um and and he made a very specific um point of learning one of the cars he was driving so he could drive it better himself and then michael schumacher who i know ian was a, a massive fan of was an absolute genius he took that to the next level absolute next level of knowing that car inside out and it, it's a, for me personally I don't know much about the technical side of, of F1 cars and I understand what bits do but I, I couldn't do anything myself with it but I I I get very excited um, when I know a driver understands a car and, and they can make it better through what they know um and and there are some drivers that have been driving the cars for years and still don't really have a clue <laughs> they just you know yeah. but you can see the ones that do and have the personality you know like like lewis or you know like whoever they'll bring someone with a personality in who who's genuinely goes to the factory spends time with the people at the factory and uh, motivates all the all the staff that need motivating week in yeah. week out make them feel important yeah yeah, exactly. I, I know not everybody listening to this will necessarily be an F1 fan. I mean, I am. I, I love watching it. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not. <laughs> well, this is why I, I want to bring the comments. Well, I'm intrigued to hear what goes on behind the scenes, you know, and well, I've watched a few programs, but I don't watch the races. 
what we do know for example is in f1 they have team they have pairs of drivers in one team and what's fairly apparent to me and i'm not going to go into the the detail of this because it's a city podcast but you know you you have a big personality like uh, max verstappen and the argument is that the the driver that drives with him in the team becomes secondary and they look for a certain type of personality to work alongside them so to bring that back to football and to city specifically we have up front Erling Haaland and you could see from what he happened what he did today when that incident happened with the referee not that we needed to see that but he has a huge personality he is a very very driven individual and then you look at his partner now I know he doesn't play necessarily directly as a partner but Julian Alvarez is his strike partner if you like he's very very hard working puts himself, I mean, the running and, and the, the amount of effort he was putting in, but he seems to be a, a, a lot more uh, introverted as a person. That's that's the way I read it anyway. And I wonder if that's been done deliberately by Pep. And maybe that's a, what you're t- a bit like what you were talking about, Tony, about it's almost more important to have the right mix of personalities or people than it is necessarily to go for just the best player. You know, getting that balance right is is important, isn't it? Oh, of course, you don't want uh, you don't want a bad apple in your dressing room. Trust me. I, I mean, feel like we've always had that with with strikers, though, haven't we? Like Tevez was quite was quite uh, passionate, and um, whereas Aguero was quite quiet, Jeco was quite quiet, but that and Balotelli was was you know an explosive person, and I feel like we've always had that. You know, you always have. You know, it's the same in 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 my job. Like I'm the loudest, obviously, um, in my room. And then, like, you know, my my girls that are with me are, are you know are, are a bit quiet. I am the you know. Just hold the it there a minute, Amy, because we should explain to anybody who's not listened to the podcast before what you do, because yeah, people but, the minds will be racing now as to yeah, what you so and your I, girls do in different rooms. Yeah. So I I'm a nurse, nurse, but so. <laughs> Um, but I'm room leader in my in my room. Um, so I'm like I'm the you know the gobby one. So, <laughs> but um, we have different personalities in 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 our room. So like, but that goes on throughout the nursery. There's different personalities in each in each section. Um, but yeah, we've all, I feel like we've always had that with with strikers. There's always been a a loud one, a mad one, and a quiet one. <laughs> But you need it. I mean, it's it's just basic ingredients. It's a formula without, pardon the pun, from the Formula One before. <laughs> it's formula. You need the different ingredients. You can't bake a cake with just flour. Yeah. You know, you need all the variety of ingredients that do that in, act, activate at different points and, and create the amazing cake that you hopefully eat afterwards. And you couldn't have a pitch with 11... Uh, I think the interesting point there as well is the state of what time it was in the game when the decision was made and the fact that he hadn't scored yeah, might have been a contributing might have been a contribute contributing factor of his frustration you know because the pressure on him now is he's expected to score certainly every home game or or whatever. So I think the fact that he hadn't scored, it was late in the game, um, and they just uh, they just equalised. 
was um, might have been a contrib contributing factor to him just losing it for a couple of minutes. To give him his credit, of course, he squared the ball for Jack Grealish to score, didn't he? When he, yeah. at that point in his frustration, might have been more tempted to be a bit more self well, he, was his, he was on his right foot and he was on a, a tightish angle, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So I don't think, uh, I think the, the, the decision was made for him, really. Well, I'm trying yeah, to give he, him a bit of credit. He was, he, was, <laughs> he was like geeing up the crowd when like Tottenham scored. He got the ball back to, to the spot and he was like, you know, come on, like getting everybody like going. Um, you know, he, he just, he just, but they all do everyone. They all make mistakes. They all like, but he's probably frustrated with himself and just got a bit hot-headed <laughs> like a lot of players do. Tony, when you were at City and you, you were a City player, give us an in, an insight into what the dressing room balance was like then. Did you were the I don't I don't mean you shouldn't slag anybody off or name names or anything, but were the players in there who didn't want to be there who, who were you might call the no, bad apples? Listen, there's um um I don't know whether it's in the Fleetwood Mac song or a song where play, players are only happy when they're playing first and first and foremost you know that um in all my time in in, in football there were, I, I would probably say there was um certainly i'm struggling on one hand to find the bad eggs in the place we we had one at city not a bad egg i wouldn't say he came in very i'm not going to say who it was but he came in very very brash very loud very different to what we've got in the dressing room and the dynamic didn't change because myself, Niall Quinn, the senior, the senior members, we just took him into a, into an empty changing room. Told him we didn't do that. We don't do it like this. And to, to keep his mouth shut, get on. He hadn't done it. He played about five games for us. You know, we said once he played 50 games and this, that and the other, we might bend a little bit with his, the way he was. And he towed the line. Um, and I think most changing rooms are like that. You know, you just, um, you, you know, when you've got your established senior players, they don't let things like that happen or they shouldn't let things like that happen if somebody comes in. If they're consistent and they carry on doing it, then it's up to the manager then to go, right, there's a wrong, you've got to get rid of him. Um, so in all my time, it was, I'm struggling on one hand to find out you know, to name many. I think, that's, I think that's sometimes why we've lost players at City, though, isn't it? Because like Cancelo, whatever, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, and I don't even know what went on with Hart in the end, but, I th you know, we heard, it was only rumours, but we heard rumours there was, you know, not a happy camp at that point. Um, and it is really sad when that happens because if you've got an excellent, amazing player, then they can't gel for whatever reason. Or it, well, it's it, an interesting it, insight you give there, Tony, because um, you know you were saying that the players, you and and Quinny or whatever, would have gone off, up, took it upon yourself to sort that out, and that seems to be what Pep does. I mean, and ultimately the manager can come in and take an action, but for example, he doesn't pick the. Uh, the captain, you know, he lets the the team decide who is going to be the captain for the year, and 
most of the time I've been watching football, it's always been the manager that's picked out who he wants to be the captain. And I know at the moment, Kyle Walker wears the captain's armband. Once Kevin De Bruyne is fit, it might be him. I don't know. But they have like five captains and there is a, a ranking, but it's all been done by the players. Is that is that the right... I don't mean just in that decision, but I, is that listen, the right I way disagree. to do it? I disagree with that because I think your captain's got to be more or less your, your first name on your team sheet that's going to be on your team sheet for uh, more or less every week. Um, and there's the old saying that you should have 11 captains out there anyway, you know what I mean? You should all be a captain. Um, you know, but, you know, getting a, um, a proper leader, somebody that can deal with uh, players' problems on and off the pitch um, without having to go to the manager... They're they're the special captains. They're your top captains. They're your Brian Robsons of the the world, and and uh, so like you know. Um, so I, I I disagree with letting the players pick it because um, invariably the players will just pick the the friendliest, most nicest one in the in the, in the dressing room. Not not so much the effective one. Um, I think the manager's got to know, he should know who his leader is, who who his go-to man is. Um, and that's how I've I've always thought it should be. You know, somebody who can deal with the problems without having to take it to the manager. And if, if he can't, then he goes to the manager himself and says, look, this needs to be addressed. And, and what normally happens then is a meeting's called and, and whatever, whatever the problem is. Or if it's a private matter away from the pitch, family matter or anything, then the manager will get involved. In. But these days you have player care people, you have they have so much support support staff at a Premier League club, it's unbelievable. You know. Absolutely. Well, before we wrap up the uh, the podcast by looking ahead to what's to come in the next couple of games, one question that is now coming nearer and nearer to um current because later this month City will play in the World Club Cup in Saudi Arabia um, and I just wonder how seriously you two as fans and the players and what your thoughts are Tony on this World Club Cup which by the way in summer of 2025 is going to be on a huge scale 32 teams in it it's going to be like basically the World Cup um, it'll be in the summer in America, all over the continent. For now, um, City going at the semi-final stage and then play a final, probably, possibly, against Fluminense, the South American champions who won the equivalent of the Champions League in South America. Tony, what, what just to begin with, from, you know, you've worked in the game for a long, long time. You've been at all different clubs, including United, of course, who played in the World Club Cup. Do, do you think that this... Trophy should be taken seriously. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think, uh, Ian, off the top of my head, whether it's uh, the revamp one that when I was at United and we went to um, Tokyo. I think it's the same played, thing, basically. Played just Palmeiras, that was just that was just a one-off game. Yeah, so it's it evolved. Champions, and it's evolved of Europe, yeah, your champions of Europe played the champions of South America. Yeah, um, and it was a one-off game in Tokyo. But now it's been uh, so it's on a league basis and this that and the other. And how long? How long is it for? 
Well, in this particular case, they start, I think, about a week, maybe a week and a half before City arrive. So there are qualifying games for sort of Asia Asia teams and whatnot. But City and Fluminense go straight into the semi-finals. But it, uh, to what, me, uh, what when is it? It's in December. It's it's City play Luton, um, and then Belgrade, Crystal Palace. And then it's two weeks, uh, well, about a week away in Saudi Arabia. It's all that's the same. Why I, that's why I looked at the fixtures. It's just on me app today because my why is it no game? <laughs> yeah, my oldest daughter and uh, my my grandchildren are city city fans, and um, that she says um, trying to arrange Christmas because they live in Lincolnshire, trying to arrange Christmas. And when they were coming down, she says, oh, we'll take a game in in, in uh, either over Christmas or January or what. So I looked at the fixture and I thought, well, there's a gap there. And there's... But I was only on my phone. I weren't going into the proper fixtures where it would have probably told me so. I um, think at the so moment, it's still saying on the calendar that it's to be confirmed or something, but I think it's saying the 19th. Yeah, they play on the 19th and the 22nd. Um, the, the 19th, I think, uh, will be against Leon, uh, a team from Mexico. And then they're likely to play Fluminese in the final. But to answer your question, Tony, it's exactly the same FIFA competition that United were in, but it's been yeah, expanded. What I didn't say, Ian, was we did the Tokyo one where we played Palmeiras, uh, uh, which is a one-off game. And then, if you remember, all the controversy of us being out of the FA Cup when we, we couldn't go in the FA Cup because uh, we had to go to the World Club Championships in Brazil. That's right, yeah. Um, and everybody slaughtered Man United because they weren't, they'd not entered the FA Cup. The fact is, we were, we were told that we had to go Um to represent uh, obviously the Premier League and and everything, but it meant us being out of the um, uh, FA Cup. So it's already had its sort of controversies in that sense, and it's going to be a lot bigger in summer of twenty twenty five. So to come back to where we are now, City will have two games: one on the nineteenth, one on the twenty second. Um, right in the middle of the season, the Brentford home game. I think it's at home, uh, but anyway playing Brentford is going to have to be rearranged until later in the season to slot this in. Is that good? Is that bad? Is it? Is that no, something you well, If you're trying to win all you, what you did last year, um, it can't be, can it? The amount of games you've got to go, the, the flying, you know, uh, this, that and the other. Um, people think, oh, it's great staying in hotels and all this. It, it can be you know, you, you're away from home and it's just more games, isn't it? It's more games that you don't really need. But it's the World yeah. Club Cup City, if they win it, can say Champions of Europe, Champions of England, Champions of the World. Well, is that, is yeah, that what Liverpool won the other year? Is that the same? Is that? is that the same thing that Liverpool won? What did they win? Um, yeah, I think they won it, yeah. I kind of still feel like no, at the moment, it still feels a bit sort of irrelevant. It doesn't feel special or great. It's another trophy, yeah, don't get me wrong. But I just think there's that much going on. And it, I think well... it's just another reason for an excuse at the end of the day, Ian. If you don't win anything over, you know, 
you go and play in it, which you're going to do, and you don't win anything, the fans are going to turn around and say, that was down to that because we went over there, we played more games, picked up a couple of injuries or whatever. It's just a ready-made excuse. As well. I, think, I think it's diluting, you know, we're in danger of, of diluting the other cups again here uh, by all these other things that are going on, like the FA Cup was diluted at one point years ago. And I think now the Carabao Cup's becoming a bit diluted. We don't need that again. It's like, well, you know, eight years ago, so we wanted Caribou Cup. Oh my gosh, we've got a cup. Yay. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, we don't care about that because we're now doing this and this. And I don't know. I, I don't, I think it's taking something out of football. I don't want to take over your, your podcast and I know we've got to go soon, but can I ask Tony, um, how you sort of, do you feel the, the game has changed very clearly? And, and, the, and the athletic level now of the players is is off the calendar because you were around in an era when I first started sort of socialising with with the same guys as you at City and United, um, and and the level of, of athleticism and their diets and you know all this going out drinking the way we used to do and it's it was just the it stopped. was the cult it was the sort of the culture there um, it, well, you know it was I remember at City. Um, Howard Kendall, God rest his soul, he was big on team spirit and those personalities and this, that and the other. And you used to get off the team bus having drank away games. If you come back from London, you know what I mean? You could never get in your car and drive out. But if you never had a drink, then he, he, he'd cast you as a an outcast or you wouldn't, you know, because you wasn't joining in. We never had a dietitian. Um, I played at... Um, at Birmingham, we had a we had a little multi gym in the thing. The just the facilities. I mean, muddy pitches, you know, mud up to your ankles. And uh, I mean, now you, a player can come off the pitch, and you wouldn't even know that they played in a game apart from the sweat. Um, the pitches are to die for. The the training facilities, everything. Um, you Do you know, feel but, like it's taken something away, though? Do you think like it's... I think it's... I, I think... Do I think players are more robotic? Do you think there's many characters in the game? Do you think the Gascoins of this world have just completely gone out of the game? Is that a good thing? Is it not a good thing? Um, you know... Oh, Jack Greeley's drunk enough for uh, Paul Gascoigne when we, when we uh, on the team bus. So uh, I don't. I think Jack's the uh, Jack's the uh, what's it? He's the he's, he's your party animal. He's the party animal. Yeah, but I think uh, they do much, that much testing now on the players. I, I mean, I don't know where, what what they do at, at City, but I would imagine every morning they weigh. Every Monday morning they'll be weighed. They'll have the body fats taken. Um, you know, there'll be blood tests, urine tests. There'll be everything there. And if a player's been up to no good, it shows up straight away. So it's all in reason at the, and at the right time. That's that's what Jack is. Jack is actually, I really like Jack. I know Jack and I, and I really like him. Um, forget about um, those kind of stories because everybody wants to jump on that, you know. He does hey, it I right. wanted to be there with him. I, yeah. I would have gladly drunk. He's done it at the right time. <laughs> he's, just won the, he's just won the treble. He's yeah. carried Villa, he carried Villa on his own for seasons. Yeah. This One is exactly what there. I said. This is exactly what I said when they were going on with themselves. I was like, 
Let him do it. He's he's just won like all these cups. Let him it's do the, it. It's, it. It's at the right time. It was in his downtime. Yeah. Long as he's fit on the first day of the season and he's his body fat's right and his weight's right and everything, um, then then so be it. Um I, I just think it's, think a, I think it's a price they pay now, isn't it? It's kind of like a well, sort of a price they pay because it's it's like the level of F one is they're at a certain level that they just can't be not a fishbowl. They're in a fishbowl. There's mobile phones waiting to get take them. Anything that they do, I, all I'll say, I thank God there was no mobile phones when I was socialising. <laughs> so I would have been up for an FA charge every week. Maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's the perfect way to end this podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, I, can go, I can go back to church now and repent my sins. So I've still got a lot to do. Well, I just wanted to say thank you to a, a new sponsor that's come on board, Counting King, who are um, they, they look after businesses. They do R&D, research and development um, tax. They're very, very good at it, I can tell you. So if you're a business and you want to save you some money, get involved with Counting King and tell them that I sent you from Forever Blue, and I'm sure they'll give you an even bigger discount. But they also do business funding, for example. I'll tell you more about them in future podcasts. But uh, thanks very much for Counting King for coming on on board as well. And big thanks to Amy and to Louis Louisa for being part of a great podcast with the one and only TC, Tony Colton, who my mate Charlie rings, and, and he's a very good judge, by the way, has been watching football. He's seen more games than me, and I've seen a lot of games. He's been going since the 50s. He saw Bert Troutman playing, and he said to me, and always has said to me, Tony Colton, apart from Bert Troutman, is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at City, and it doesn't get any more sincere or praiseworthy than that so thank you tony the problem is an excellent judge <laughs> thanks to the two of you i'll be back next week uh craig cash who played dave in uh, the royal family has promised to come on the podcast next week um and the voice of goggle box etc big big city fan i've seen a lot of games so fingers crossed that uh, all that happens that'll be after the luton game so we'll be recording that on monday of next week but in the meantime thanks for listening Make sure you share and tell everybody and tell, you know, get everybody to subscribe and all that sort of stuff. But if you don't remember anything that these three have said or I've said in this podcast, just remember this thing, this one thing that I'm going to say now. It's great to be a blue. <laughs>